0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a 100 denarii. Seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were all greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their lord all that had taken place. Then his lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ, the assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. When I was young, quite often, I was told when, where, and how it is that I should forgive other people. And as an aside, I gotta say I love our Genesis text, the culmination of the Joseph story, the confrontation between Joseph and his brothers who sinned against him. And when they go and they plead before Joseph for forgiveness, what do they say? Dad told us to say this, and he said, you have to forgive us, right? I mean, that's how we sometimes approach forgiveness, even biblically. Well, I mean, you got to do it, right? Dad said so. And I think we've all been in that position, coached, or perhaps better put, coerced into forgiveness. certainly... That was the case for me as a kid, and it usually went something like this. One of my parents saying to me, say you're sorry to your brother, which point I'd respond, I'm sorry. (laughs) Then my parents would say, a little less aggressive like you mean it, I'm sorry. All right, now with eye contact, I'm sorry. All right, now this time, I want you to hug your brother with just the right amount of pressure so as to not start a wrestling match. And While you do it, I want you to whisper nicely but firmly enough so that he knows you're actually sorry, that you're sorry. Can you do that for me? No. No, I can't. We know where this is going and we know how this ends. We've seen it before. But this is what we do. And I actually found myself doing this with my own children this last week when I had the epiphany, ah, yes. I have become my father and for that, I am sorry. <laughs> but, regardless, what we realize is that the center of our text and at the center of forgiveness is relationships, and relationships are foundational to the formation of community. Jesus, this last few weeks in this chapter of Matthew's Gospel, has taught us about how it is that we are to properly live in community with each other. He has told us that where two or more gathered, there I will be. And where two or more gather there will be conflict. And where there's conflict there will be a need for forgiveness. And a failure to forgive distorts our ability, disgrades and disrupts our ability to function as community. Today, Jesus is reminding us of the multifaceted nature of forgiveness. And that forgiveness at its core comes from our core. Comes from our heart. Reflective of God's own heart rooted in grace and mercy and love. Jesus today does the very Jesus-y thing. He teaches us with a parable. A parable about a kingdom. A parable about a king. A king who woke up one day and said, Ah, yes, today is a great day for a reckoning of debts. So that's what he does. He calls in one of his slaves. He calls him in front and he says, pay up, buddy. And we find out that this guy owes 10,000 talents. Now, I'll do the math for you, right? A single talent is 15 years wages. This guy owes 10,000. For the second straight week, I'm going to attempt math for you. That's 150,000 years of wages this guy owes. He throws his hands up and goes, I ain't got that kind of money. So he says, that's fine. I'll just take you and your kids and your wife and all your stuff, and I'll throw you in prison. We'll call it either. Now That doesn't sound too agreeable. So the guy pleads, he says, have patience with me, and I'll pay you. And we know there ain't no way this guy is gonna get this much money, at least not by legal means, as it were. And he pleads for the impossible. And guess what? Something impossible happens. This king looks at him and says, your debt forgiven, right? Your credit score will be great. And that's what he does. He forgives him. And, and again, I sit here and I imagine myself, what must it be like to be forgiven in that fashion? Right, as someone who's sitting on student loan debt still from my undergrad at this lucrative career I've chosen, I can't imagine what it sounds like or feels like to just be forgiven of your debt. And well, while I may not be able to fully imagine that, what I do know is what happens next. The guy goes home to celebrate, and on his way home he stops over by his old and grounds, and he has an epiphany. He decides, ah, yes, today is a great day for a reckoning, isn't it? So he goes to his fellow slave and he pulls him by the neck. He says, "Pay up, buddy. Now, there's a difference. Instead of 150,000 years of wages, this guy owes 100 denarii, or roughly 100 days' wages. Yes, this is a debt that one, with proper budgeting, could potentially pay back in full. But he'll have none of it. He says, "Well, if you can't pay now, to prison with you. And That's what happens. And then." And only then does a larger community, community of slaves by the way, stand up and say this is unjust, this cannot stand. Go to the king and tell the king what happened, which leads us to the punchline of our parable, where the king says you should not have had, should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had on you. In other words, forgiveness must engender more forgiveness. Forgiveness is an act carried out in community for the sake of community. It is an act that begins with an acknowledgement of the wrongdoing, the pain, the debt that we owe each other. But it also leads to the liberation and freedom of all parties involved. For those that are the transgressors, it means that they are freed from their punishment. As deserving as they may be of it, they are freed from it. Now, that doesn't mean that their actions are allowable again. It doesn't mean that they can keep doing the same thing, but it means they are free from the punishment. And for the ones, the ones who are transgressed upon, the ones forgiving, it is freedom from the burden of having to carry that with us. The burden that holds us captive to the other owes us. It frees us to be in relationship fully and freely once More, it helps to preserve community even when sin seeks to rip community apart. And the knowledge that God forgives us, the knowledge that God loves us, should therefore encourage us into actions of love and care for those around us. Which as I said, is the most Lutheran thing I've said all morning. God's grace compels us to love and share grace with others. But here's a reminder. Loving others isn't easy. Loving our neighbor ain't as simple as it sounds, particularly if that neighbor has done something to us. Forgiving is not a simple process. And forgiving on a divine scale is perhaps even more impossible, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. And there's examples of this around October 7, 2006, an individual walked into a one-room schoolhouse in an Amish community outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, with the intent of causing great harm. And harm they caused: ten girls shot in the process, five of whom didn't survive. The survivors, though, lives to changed along with the community around them. Later, the next the family of the shooter who had killed himself in the process, gathered together for a very small but private funeral service just next door to this Amish community where these atrocities were committed. And as they gathered for this private service, they looked up and they saw a group of representatives, a group of of Amish individuals and elders coming towards them as they were standing their graveside. And in a piece for NPR reflecting back on this moment, the shooter's mother, Terry, reflected love just emanated from them. And I recall one of the fathers saying, I believe that I have been forgiven, but there are some days when I question that. Sometimes, sometimes being forgiven is even harder than forgiving someone else. And Terry struggled with this reality herself unable to forget the horrific acts that her son committed against this community that had since forgiven her and her family. She says, I'll never forget the devastation caused by my son. But one of the fathers the other night said this, while none of us would have ever chosen this, the relationships that we have built through it, you can't put a price on it. Forgiveness is a communal act. Forgiveness allows relationships to continue or perhaps, dare I say, even new ones to form. But notice, forgiving doesn't always mean forget. And oftentimes, remembering helps us to hold each other accountable moving forward. Notice, forgiving doesn't disregard the bad behavior and the sins and atrocities we commit against each other, but reminds us that we need to do better, that we can do better, and do better for the sake of community. That in forgiving, we break this cycle of harmful behavior in favor of mercy, behavior reflective of God's kingdom, of God's hope and aspirations for what we, as God's created people, can be, because our behavior, is our testimony. And God invites us to participate in this this liberating work of forgiveness. The liberating act of forgiving and being forgiven. Because forgiveness is at the heart of who God is and who God desires for us to be. Jesus knows today going to be able to forgive like this king. But it doesn't mean that we don't try. It doesn't mean that we don't hold ourselves accountable. It doesn't mean that we just say, well, too bad. Because he knows that in doing this hard work, it is the only way that we can be the community we've been called to be. Thanks be to God. Amen.